so here's where we're at. We're ending our series on expand. And today, and so what we've talked about, right, what we've been talking about is why do we want to do Everyone Matters? Three weeks ago, why, why does KD want to have a wider reach? Because we talked about what happens in the scripture is every time a church is filled with people who have faith, reckless faith, sacrificial love, and hope, you just see, man, those churches, they just kept expanding. Well, why would we want to have a wider reach? Why would you want to have a longer love, right? A love that is patient, a love that endures all things, a love that bears all things. Why would we actually want to do that? Last week, why would you want to have a deeper faith, a reckless faith that, tells, that says, I will do whatever God wants me to do? So here's today's message. A wider reach makes no sense. Committing to that makes no sense. Having a suffering love of bearing with each other and being patient with each other makes no sense. And reckless faith makes no sense unless we have a higher view. You and I have to have a higher view of who God is. The only reason that we do anything, ultimately, that we do is because of him. And if we can't see him really clearly, then we don't flesh out the life that he really wants us. So, so my heart for us today is, I love Paul, he used to pray, he goes, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you might know him better. That's what we're hoping, that, we'll, that God will come here today and just enlighten our eyes so that we can see how great, everything we just sing about, see how great our God actually is. Because once we get that, then everything else falls into place. All right? So let's take a look at him. Here's, here's what hits me. There's so many times when the Bible will say that we're supposed to praise his holy name. Okay, look, I'm here, here's some. Rejoice in the Lord, right? You who are righteous and praise his holy name. Let them praise your great and awesome name, for he's holy. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Why do you hear this over and over and over again? Praise his holy name. Well, the first thing we need to understand is what holy means, okay? I've explained this throughout the years here at K2 a number of times, but if you're new, you got to understand this. <clears throat> the root word for holy was a word that simply meant to cut. So if you took a piece of cloth and you cut it in two and you separated it, that was the word for holy. And what that meant was this is different than this now. This is other than this. And so people realize that's the best way that we can describe God. He is completely other than we are. There is nothing that even comes close to God. Who we are and who he is, oh my goodness, he is holy. There's no one like him. Your name, God, is completely different beyond any other name. Nothing comes close to his beauty, to his power, to his glory, and his love. And so when the, when the people, the psalmist would say, praise his holy name, they were saying that's because God, there's nothing else that comes close to him. That's why he's actually my God. So in these last few months, 
I have been memorizing Psalm 63, and uh, it has been unbelievable to me. This is a scripture, as I'm memorizing, as it's soaking into my being, I find my, I'm, I'm reciting it every morning when I start off my day. If I wake up at two in the morning in the middle of the night, it'll be the first thing that pops in my head and I'll just start to say it. I'm literally taking this word, putting it inside of me, getting it at the front of my mind, at the tip of my lips, and it is changing me. That's what God's does. His, his word is alive and it's active and actually can transform you. I want to walk you through this psalm, okay? So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 63, or if this day, if you have your phone, right, <laughs> open up to Psalm 63. And this psalm is helping me get a higher view of God and why it is that we do anything, why I do anything, why I follow him at all, and why we do everything that we do here at K2, all right? So here we go. I'm going to read right through it first, and then I'll come back and we'll tear it apart and look at it. We're going to go through verses 1 through 5. David says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I beheld your power and your glory. And because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. And I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. It goes on, and there's some more beautiful things, but those are the portions I want to tear apart today, okay? Here's what David starts off, and he says, you, God, are my God. And here's what I want to help you to understand. There is a huge transition that happens when the God that is out there somewhere becomes your God. When the God is there becomes a personal God to you. And I'm telling you, what you're going to find out here <clears throat> is that only happens through experience. Because now it's a my God, there's an interaction that's actually happening here. And so, and when we say God, what he's saying is, right, holy is, the, is God, so there is nothing, when, when he starts off, he says, you God, there is nothing above you as God. That's what you're saying. You, there's nothing that comes close. So when all of a sudden you go, now you're my God, what you're saying is, there is nothing else on this planet that comes close to you, to me. You are my God. Now, I want to tell you, man, there's lots of gods, okay? We have lots of things that we're devoted to. Work can become a god. Money can be a god. Pleasure can be a god. Recreation can be a god. People and relationships, they can be gods. Because here's how you know. What this next phrase, he says this. He goes, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. If you want to know what your God is, it's what you earnestly seek after. What are you devoted to? 
What rises up? What, what gets your passion? What gets your enthusiasm? What gets your interest? What captures your thought? What gets your time? What you go after is your God. And so David's like, man, you, God, are my God, and that's why I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now, if you actually have your scriptures, you can see at the top, it actually says in, in the title, it says, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. I'm feeling pretty parched actually today. <laughs> so, but you know what? So here he is. David is in the desert Excuse me. David is in the desert and he's dying of thirst. And all it can trigger in his head is, oh my gosh, as physically thirsty as I am right now, my soul thirsts for you, God. As much as I want water right now, I want you. That's what David is saying. There's nothing else I want more than you. So here's the question. Sorry, I think I had a Something falling apart on me here. All right. So here's, here's, what, uh, here's what he's saying. Why? And this is what I, walk, what I want to walk through with you today. Why is David making God his God? Why is he earnestly seeking after him more than anything else? And here's what he says. He goes, I've seen you. God, I've seen you. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld you. I've seen your glory, and I've seen your power. And they says, you know what? And I've tasted your love, and your love is better than life. Here's what I want to tell you. The God who's out there, this being that's out there, he will never become your God until you've seen him. But once you see him, once you really see him, not your idea who God is, but when you encounter the real living God, you can never be the same. He goes, man, I've beheld your power and your glory. Now here's what's cool, right? This is David, and he's saying, and he goes, my lips will glorify you. And this is David, he's like the warrior king. You know, I was actually gonna put up um, Russell Crowe pictures up here, you know, in, in Gladiator. Remember Gladiator? It's like that's the best picture I can think of what David looked like. And he was, so not only was he a warrior who conquered tens of thousands of people, he was also the king, right? I mean, he was the most important person. He had everything at his beck and call. And, and even though he had all of that, he said, but once I saw you, God, I made a decision, man, nothing on this earth comes close to who you are. Nothing. His power, his glory, and his love are different than anything else. So he goes, I will praise you as long as I live. And this phrase really hit me. And then he says, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. Remember this? Praise his holy name. And then David says, in your name, I lift up my hands. Will you guys do a little audience participation with me here for a second? Y'all ready? Okay. So I, I, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Most of us are probably should be in black mourning the youth's loss yesterday, right? Unbelievable. I should have worn black today. So let's not think about yesterday. Let's go a week before, right? <laughs> when there was 37 seconds left in the game. No, that was a Lions game. When there was 18 seconds left in the game, right? And they throw the pass and the guy catches it in the corner of the end zone to win. What is your immediate response? Woo! 
Okay, that's what happens. If you're a Utes fan, that's what happens. <laughs> you're not. We'll pray for you. <laughs> but here's, here's what's crazy. I love the fact that big, burly men who want to show no affection to anybody whatsoever, when the Utes score, woo! Right, they're hugging everybody. Their hands are up in the air. Here's why. Because you're human. Now, when the youth score a touchdown, nobody goes, okay, should I raise my hands now? You don't think about it. When something happens inside you, you know what? You're human, which means you're physical, and it causes your body to just go like this. You just do it. Okay, give me another. You can play around with me. Here's, here's one more. If you're walking down an alley, and it's really dark, and all of a sudden somebody comes behind you, and they stick a gun in your back, what do you do? Okay. All the rest of you are like dead. Seriously, you're gonna, you know, I don't do anything. No, you're supposed to play along. Because you know, if someone put a gun to your back, you wouldn't even think. You would have an instinct and you would just go like this. When I was in Swaziland, every time I go, you show up and there's like 150 kids. And when they come into that place and you drop in, on your van, in the van, and you get out of the van and you walk up to those kids. They immediately run to you and this is what they do. It's an amazing experience. Why do they do that? Well, see, that's Michael on the left. He's one of our team members. And when you come off that van and physically we reach out to them and they instinctively know these people are here to love us. And because they believe that we are there to love them, they immediately lift up their hands. And I want to tell you, man, here's what's true. When something is glorious, when something is powerful, and when you experience love, what David the warrior king was saying, when I think about who you are, I can't help but put up my hands. Because what's going on in here, you can't help it. You just instinctively go like this. And I think David was saying, in your name, because it's holy, because it's so far above anything else in this world, even though I have everything at my tip, fingertips, nothing compares to you. So my hands go up in praise to you, my hands go up in surrender to you, and my hands go up in desire of you. And then he says this beautiful phrase, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. The reason that God became David's God, more important than anything else, is because he figured out nothing satisfies me and I've got it all. But God is better. Nothing comes close to him. So let's unpack this a little bit, okay? I'm going to take these three and let's do this. Number one, nothing comes close to God's glory. Glory, what does it mean? Glory uh, at its root men, meant weight. It just means heavy. So if you had scales up there and something was glorious, it means it would be heavier than anything else. But glory, here's another definition. It's the appearance which commands respect, magnificence, and excellence. That's glory. 
So this weekend, I was up with a crew, which is a ministry uh, at the University of Utah. And I was doing a, a, a retreat for them. And it was really tough, man, because they're, um, I had my Lions hat on, right? So I'm wearing my Lions cap. And there were actually Packer fans there. And there were Bears fans there. Okay, that is just sick and wrong, right? You can't do that. So, but it's, it's weird being a Lions fan. They're like laughing at me, like, why are you a Lions fan? And I, and I want to tell you, living out in Utah, if I run into somebody, if I see somebody with a Lions jersey or a hat on or something, like, I make a beeline for them, right? And that's when I'll ask them, I'll go, man, you're a Lions fan, that's so cool. I go, are you from Michigan? You know, because then most people are. But then, I go, if they go, no, I'm not from Michigan, I go, then why are you a Lions fan? And you know what? Without exception, what every person has said, Barry Sanders. They're fans. You guys know Barry Sanders? Come on, man. Give me some love about Barry Sanders. So here, yeah, I mean, the dude was, so, so why? Because when Barry Sanders ran the ball, it was glorious. It was, it commanded respect and magnificence and excellence. You know, I have to train my kids so, so we don't live in Detroit. I have to train my kids to be Lions fans. And that's how I've done it. I show them old Barry Sanders clips. Because when you see it, there's something inside of you, and you guys understand, that commands my respect. You're awesome. And you know what he did? Isn't it interesting? Barry Sanders, because of his glory in playing football, he created fans. People wanted to be around him. They wanted to watch him. And I think what David is saying is, oh, come on, that's great, that's football. I'm talking about God. And I'm telling you, he is so magnificent. He is so beautiful. He brings more pleasure. He can satisfy you like nothing else. Right, you guys ever been to the Grand Canyon? When you get to the Grand Canyon the first time, I remember I just sat there, my mouth just dropped. I'm like, ah, you can't even speak. You're like, you've seen it in pictures. This is totally different. And then I remember the second time I went, and I'm like, well, you know, I've already seen it. This will be cool. And I get to the side, and I'm like, no, it's still awesome. It's unbelievable. You guys, hallowed, holy, far above, beyond glorious, God is. And that's what David realized. He is so different, nothing else comes close to his glory. Here was a definition. When I studied glory years ago, here was my definition. It's the objective reality of God's presence whenever he works. Glory is the objective reality of God's presence whenever he works. What do I mean by that? When God actually does something, you see glory. So what did he do? We see it in his creation, right? His creation is glorious. I have people who don't believe in God at all, but they'll confess to me, but man, when I get out in nature, right, or when I look up and I see the stars, then they'll say there probably is something out there because his work is fantastic. His creation, its magnitude, its intricacy, his creativity, the diversity, the beauty, and his creation is crying out praise to God because it's glorious. But it also, not only is his creation, it's whenever he works. And so, God's ways are actually glorious. They're astounding. They're beautiful. They create awe. And I want to tell you, man, when people 
get in sync with God and do what he does. When God works in a person's spirit and lives through them, it's glorious. It's always surprised me that John, who was the closest disciple to Jesus, walked with him intimately for three years. When he wrote his gospel, he said, we have seen the glory of the one and only. Now I wanna tell you, when I think about that, I would think John was probably gonna write what? I've seen the glory of the one and only. We've seen him walk on water. We've seen him feed 5,000. We've seen him um, raise people from the dead. Right, isn't it? I mean, and actually, those are some pretty amazing feats. But he didn't write that. You know what he said? He goes, we've seen the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. And I want to tell you what, there's something, there's something beautiful about Jesus in the fact that he was truth and he'd never budge, and yet he gave grace in, in, in unbelievable amounts. And the beauty of that combination is glorious. Guys, here's what David said, and here's what you and I, this is what, when you see his glory, when you taste it, when you see that God is better than anything else, he starts to become your God. And when he becomes your God, you wanna jump in full bore, and you wanna do anything he asks you to do. It's the only reason I have reckless faith is I really do believe that nothing's gonna satisfy me like him. All right, that's number one. Let's go to number two. Nothing comes close to God's power. Nothing comes close to his power. Seriously, I, I just gotta admit, I, I think it's pretty true. If somebody put a gun behind my back, I'm gonna raise my hands and surrender. I'm gonna say, okay, you got me, right? That's what I'm gonna do. Why? Because that thing behind me is more powerful than I am. The reason you would throw your hands up and just surrender is because you know this could take you down in a minute. And so you just go, whoa, I got it, man. You've got me. When something more powerful comes to you, you will throw your hands up and surrender. Now, I got good news, okay? So God is super powerful, obviously, but he doesn't have a gun at your back. That's not how God operates. You know what God actually does? He says, I go before you. So instead of behind you with a gun, he actually stands before you and he is against everything that's against you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the God of the universe, as the scripture tells us over and over again, what does he have to say to you more than anything else in the Bible he has to say this? Don't be afraid. Can I ask you a question though? How many of you walked in here, you're afraid today? How many of you are anxious today? How many of you know, man, there's, there's certain things that, and, and there's lots of things that you could be afraid of. Why? Because somehow you believe that there's something more powerful than you that could take you down. And so we live our lives in fear. And you know what, that could, that could be your boss, that could be your job, you could be fearful. You can be fearful of the economic situation. You can be fearful, we've talked about this a lot, about the election coming up, and I just wanna remind you, okay? I wanna remind you that starting next Sunday is our series, Where's My American Dream? And, and remember, the whole reason we're doing this, we're gonna take four weeks, and we're gonna look at all the things that people are fretting about, nervous about, anxious about, with this election coming up. 
And I remember when I asked you that three weeks ago, how many of you know somebody who's freaking out about the election? Every one of you rose your hands. So here's what I'm asking you. We're going to be a church with a wider reach. And I asked you three weeks ago, and I'm going to ask you again. you got one more week. Every day this week, would you pray, and let's make the commitment, because I know that you wish there was somebody, there's a friend, there's a coworker, a family member that you wish was sitting next to you here at K2. Next week's our Sunday. Let's commit, every single one of us, to invite somebody who needs to discover that you do not have to be shaking inside when everything around you seems like it's shaking. All right? So, man, next week, and we're going to, just so you know, we're going to put billboards up on I-15. We're going to reach out to this community as much as possible because that's what God called us to do. He wants people to find their life. So you know what David is saying? David's saying, you know why you're my God? Do you know why I seek you earnestly? You know why I come to you? Because I've seen your power. And nothing comes close to your power. Okay? Now here's what's amazing. David believed that before Jesus Christ ever came on the scene. He didn't even have Jesus to go off of. You and I have Jesus to go off of, all right? So here's one of my favorite passages, and I want to encourage you. Look at this. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I want you to think for a second. Again, are you afraid? Do you find yourself being paralyzed by things in your life? And as I read this, here's what I want you to think about. Who are you up against? What are you up against that's actually freaking you out? Who or what is robbing you of your peace right now? and filling you with fear. Got it? Got the person? Got the situation in your mind? All right, now look at this. The po- that power is the same as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And look at this. So here's what he's saying. You guys, God rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Nobody else can do that. Nobody has that power. Nobody. He's holy, man. He is holy. No one comes close to the authority and the power that Jesus Christ has. And we know that because he's been risen from the dead. But here's, he goes, now he describes it. Far above. See, he's not someone, Jesus isn't somebody who's like, man, it's kind of equal. You know that, that person that you're struggling with right now? He and Jesus, man, I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> that economic situation you're going on, that political party, whoo, you know. He's going, no, Jesus is far above. This isn't like a close competition. <laughs> Do you believe that? See, we don't believe it because we're freaking out. But he's far above. And what is he far above? What's the next word? All rule. How much rule? Well, some people, some presidents, some kings, some political parties. No, man. He is far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and how many names? And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And here we go. And God placed what? All things under his feet, and he appointed him to be over what? Okay, let's say it. He Over what? Everything. This is what's changing me. I'm choosing to believe this. I'm choosing to believe this. 
I'm choosing to believe that there is not one thing that can come against me that can even, now there's people who are more powerful than me, for sure. There are governments, man, yeah, they, they're, they're absolutely more powerful than me. But none of them have any at all. They cannot compete against Jesus. And Jesus is my God. And if he's my God, and he's for me, and he's not against me, then nothing and no one can separate me from his love. Amen? Like nothing can. See, but here's the deal, man. We do believe that these more powerful things are going to take us down. And so we fret, and so we fear, and so we're anxious, and God has to say over and over again, wait a second, man, how many times I got to tell you, I go before you, and I am with you, and I am the one who's above all things, over all things, rulers. I am it. You guys, this is what can actually change us. And this is why David said, you know what? My soul thirsts for you. Maybe your soul is thirsty. Maybe you're feeling empty. And he says, you know why I make you my God? Because, man, I've seen you. I saw, I saw you take my little rock and knock down a giant. I've seen you take down tens of thousands of great armies. God, your power, there's nothing comes close to your power. You know, as I heard someone say one time, they said, whatever you fear most is actually your God. Whatever you fear most actually ends up being your God. And I want to tell you, man, when the scripture says fear him, fear him. There's nobody, nobody that can compare with God's power. David knew that, and that's why he was his God. Let's look at the last one. He says, nothing comes close to God's love. He says, your love, God, is better than life. Your love is completely different than any human love I've ever tasted. It is beyond it's better than anything I've received. Nothing comes close to the love of God. So yesterday, I was sharing with the college students. I just got like super vulnerable with them. Because it was when I was that age, when I was in my, you know, 19, 20, early 20s. That's when I was struggling with a lot of stuff in my life. And I just remember thinking, I can't ever let anybody know. And what I realized was, man, I want to help set these guys free. Because here's, here's what's true, you guys. In this room, some of you, most of you, a lot of you at least, have had things done to you that you're really ashamed of. And they hurt you. But you feel like, I can't let anybody know. I, am so, I feel so guilty even, even though somebody did it to me. And you, so you've been living your whole life with shame and you can't let anybody know what happened. The problem is, when you get hurt like that, it breaks you. So now you become, your heart gets broken, and then you end up doing stuff that you don't want to do. So now, you don't only have shame because of what's been done to you, but now you have shame because of the things that you've done. And, and the truth is, lots of times it's not what you've done. Some of you walked in here and you're afraid, you're ashamed of what you're doing even right now. And you're scared to death that somebody might find out 
what it is. Why are you scared? Why are you ashamed? Why are you putting on masks so that nobody will see the real you inside? You know why. Because if anybody saw the real you, they would judge you and they would reject you. And you know it's true. So what you do is you put on this mask and you become this happy person who's at church and you hope that everybody will like that person. The problem is as soon as they like that person, you go, I knew it. They'd never like me. And I want to tell you what, man, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love that is unlike any other, that's holy, where it doesn't even come close to every human being in this room, is the love of a God who looks inside and sees everything about you. He knows what's happened to you. He knows what you've done. He knows what you're doing. And he says to every one of you, I love you so much that I would send my son to die for you so I could take all that brokenness and all of that sin and wipe it away and replace it instead with my spirit. You know what's crazy? Here's what's true. When any person has the courage to finally reveal the brokenness of their heart and another human being takes them by the head and embraces them and says, I love you. There is nothing more powerful on this planet. There is nothing more that every human heart needs to receive than to be fully known all the junk, all the sin, all the brokenness, and fully loved. And I'm telling you, here's David, right? This man after God's own heart who goes and sleeps with this woman, gets her pregnant, and so murders her husband. And then when that gets exposed and he confesses it to God, God forgives him of his sin. And so he can say, your love is better than life. Why in the heck are we here? Why do we move out here? Why does K2 the church exist? The only reason I'm here is because I too, I've seen his glory. I've sensed his satisfaction. I have stepped out in faith and found God to be real. I am seeking for his grace and his mercy to trust that he is the more powerful being than anything else, and I'm not gonna let fear stop me anymore, and I wanna see God do great stuff, and I am absolutely convinced in the gospel. I believe in a God who loves every person so much that he would come and rescue them from their brokenness and from their sin. And he wants to do it for you, every one of you in this room, and he wants to do it for every person in this valley. And you guys, so when I talk about everyone matters, and I'll be honest with you, it's tough sometimes when you're a pastor and it's like, so here's the deal. We're gonna ask you to seriously consider sacrificing some of your income for yourself 
so that this church can continue to have a wider reach and expand his love and have reckless faith. But I want to tell you, I got no apology at all. Just like Luther had no apology to ask Bill and Rebecca, would you consider moving out now that you bought a new house? I have no apology either because, and here's why, because I know that our treasure's actually in heaven. And I know that, here's the other thing, and I don't care what you, I, I'm not asking you to give any specific amount, I don't even care. But here's what I am asking you to do. Would you, as, because you're K2, man, it's not me, it's us. Would you sit before God as well? And would you say, you know what, God, I want to be a part of a church that's going to care about every person in this valley. And I'm going to be a part of a church that's going to serve each other and minister to each other so that these people in this room, too, have a chance to get one step closer to God. That's all this is about. And man, if we'll, and here's what I know, if you'll sit before God and simply do what he tells you to do, you know what will happen? You'll see his glory. You'll see his power, and you'll experience his love. And then you'll be able to say with David, that God up there, he's my God, and I earnestly seek him. And you know why? Because I've seen his power. I've seen his glory, and I've tasted his love. And man, when you're a part of that, dude, I just gotta, I'll just be careful, because it's addicting. It is addicting to see God move in your own heart and in the lives around you. And that's why we want to invite you to be a part of this, all right? So here we go. The band's gonna come up, and we have a closing song that we're gonna do for you. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. We're gonna take communion, okay? So you guys will see this. There's a station right here. There's a station over here. There's one in the back, and there's two up in the top. Now, what is communion? Communion is what Jesus Christ told us to do on a regular basis. He goes, here's what's gonna happen. You guys are gonna forget, right? So he always has to say, in the Bible, you see this all the time, God has to say, remember me, man, remember me. So Jesus says, you do this in remembrance of me. So what he's doing, for all of us who are Christians in this room, you're gonna walk up here and you're gonna take that piece of bread which represents his body that was broken for you, his life that he gave for you. And when you take that and you eat it and it goes inside of you, you remember, I have communion with God. Jesus, man, he's in me. And then you take that cup, and he said, you do this in remembrance of me, that I shed my blood. Here's, and here's what the Bible says. Here's how you know what love is, that Jesus Christ would lay down his life for you. And so again, for all of us Christians, man, we go, I'm gonna remember the love that God has for me. It's holy, man. There's nothing like it. And you take that and you drink it and it goes into your system and you remember, he has made me completely clean. He has forgiven me of all of my sin. And what he did that for was why? He forgave you so he could reconcile you. So his spirit, his life could be in you. Well, let me tell you something about the life of Christ. The life of Christ loves the world. The life of Christ comes and gives himself up for the world. The life of Christ, Jesus said, you guys gotta learn, I love the Father and I do everything he asks me to do. So when Jesus gets inside of you, you now have a spirit that says, I love to do what God asked me to do. And then by the power of that spirit, you walk by faith and you see God do crazy cool stuff. And now you realize he's powerful. 
He's glorious and he's loving. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask every one of you who, who, who want to participate, this is totally up to you, but if you're a part of K2 the church and you wanna help this Everyone Matters um, uh, loan come down in January, then here's your chance, man. Some of you have already, you know, you've been here three weeks and you've had your conversations and again, you're ready to bring this card. Thank you, that's fantastic. My guess is some of you are not ready. You still need to have more conversation. You are more, for, absolutely. You take it seriously. Take as long as you need to sit down and make sure you're hearing from God what he wants you to do. You don't do it unless God wants you to do it. But if he moves in you, then you respond. But would you guys do this for me? One commitment I would love to ask for you is would you pray for this though? I mean, I, I am every day on my knees asking God to simply move in a way where he will provide. He owns everything. God, then provide what we need to do the ministry that you're doing here through K2. And if you would just take your pen and even write that on here and go, I will absolutely commit to pray for these next three months for God to provide what we need. Write that down there and stick it in. So here's what's gonna happen. There will be a basket where you can bring this card and your pledge to pray or to give financially and, and, and stick it in the box, and then you take that communion and you say, you know what, God? You're in me, and I'm in you, and I will do whatever you ask me to do. I want to tell you this song. I've listened to this song that we're going to do. I've just been in tears over this song. It's beautiful. You just sit. You soak it in. You let these words reverberate. If you want to start singing, that's fine. But just soak in this moment, and when you're ready, you come and you have communion with Christ, and then you make the pledge that you feel like he's asking you to do, the one who's inside you, all right? Let's do it together.